Well, good morning again. Last week, we set our clocks back to standard time last week, and it really marked a season for us of moving from light to darkness, from summer to fall to winter, and we're moving in this dark uh, time and of winter and gray, and we expect rain in our future here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, and I, we're still trying to figure out, I think the state is still trying to figure out whether we'll ever go uh, to one time period, time zone or time, uh, daylight savings, time standard time, still trying to figure that out. And if anybody has an answer for that, by the way, uh, just go ahead and comment that because I've looked and I can't make sense of it. So, uh, but anyway, there's season. We're in this season of light to darkness. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today where we're moving also that where Jesus is teaching in the same season of light to darkness. And a lot of us are not anticipating the winter months. We're not anticipating or looking forward to more darkness. And we know that there are several people that, that suffer from seasonal affective disorder, also known as SAD. Interestingly enough, it spells SAD. And it's a time where people feel more depressed because of the lack of light. Yet, if you're living in the South Pole, in fact, if you're living in the South Pole right now, it's summertime, which have been, uh, but summer in the South Pole is a little bit different than summer here in the Pacific Northwest. But in, at the South Pole, during the winter, they have six months of total darkness. So planes actually don't come in and out in the winter, and people who serve and work at those bases on the South Pole, near the South Pole, they actually... The last plane, I think, goes out in uh, February and comes back in October. Uh, I think that's right. And so, because the, the winter months are in the summer. So when that last plane, they experience about a month of twilight and then six months of darkness and another month of twilight before it goes back to summer. And they have to screen people that work there before seasonal affective disorder because they know that people are going to be immersed 24 hours a day in darkness for long periods of time. And people who go there and work there are screened for, for seasonal affective disorder, and they're not hired if they suffer from that, uh, that disorder as well, because they can't have people uh, totally going into depression uh, and not being able to work and take care of things down there. So they screen them. But even with all the screening that they do to hire the right people, uh, that darkness still has an impact on the people that are there. And the people that are there do suffer from being in the darkness and suffer from being depressed. One of the things that they say really helps them, interestingly enough, is actually being around other people and that there's a very tight-knit community there which helps. And also, uh, the other thing that they do there uh, when they're in darkness is they, and it helps us here too in the Pacific Northwest, is they do light therapy. It's interesting that the antidote to darkness and and seasonal affective disorder is light therapy, exposing ourselves to light. Because what happens is there's a deficiency in vitamin D that comes from being exposed to the light. And so the remedy, obviously, is to expose ourselves to the light. And today we're going to look at this idea of light and darkness that Jesus is teaching about. But to kind of give a little background uh, behind this, before I read this passage, I want to give you a little uh, historical, cultural context. So the passage we're about to read today is Jesus is teaching in the temple. Now, the temple was a place where people would come and worship, and it was divided into different courts. And at that time, uh, people worshiped. There was a men's court and a women's court. So men and women worshiped in different sections of the temple. 
And Jesus is teaching in a place called the treasury or the place where people put their offerings in as they came to the temple. And this is just connected or adjacent to the part of the women's court. And so also what's happening on this particular day that Jesus is teaching is this is the end of a big celebration, a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. And so Jesus is actually standing in the temple, uh, probably in the women's court, and it's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles or the feast celebration. And this was like an autumn harvest celebration, as well as marking the shift into the winter months from light to darkness. So it's very important what we're going to read today because Jesus is teaching about light and darkness. And behind him, as he's teaching, I want you to imagine it with me a little bit. You're standing in a, in a temple court that's open air, made of stone. And behind Jesus are four large pillars. And on top of those pillars behind Jesus's head, so to speak, as you're looking, are four large bowls, and they're filled with oil, and they're filled with rags, old rags as wicks. And at night, these four bowls, and they're actually four stands with four bowls, so 16 large bowls of oil towering over Jesus' head, at night would be lit. And there would be this huge illumination of the temple, and it said of the whole city would be illuminated by the light of these bowls, as well as people would go with torches, and they would dance in the streets, through the city streets, and they would be singing praises to God. So this is a great celebration. Kind of, and just think about all the light that was just being distributed throughout the city. It's in this context that Jesus says this, and here we are in John chapter 8, verses 12 to 20. Jesus spoke to the people again, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisee said to him, because you are testifying about yourself, your testimony isn't valid. Jesus replied, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true since I know where I came from and where I'm going. You don't know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to human standards, but I judge no one. Even if I do judge, my judgment is truthful because I'm not alone. My judgments come from me and from the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the witness of, one, of two people is true. I am one witness concerning myself, and the Father who sent me is the other. Then they asked him, where is your father? Jesus answered, you don't know me and you don't know my father. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the temple area known as the treasury. No one arrested him because his time hadn't yet come. So interestingly, with that context, with the bowls of light uh, in the background, Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. Not just the light of the city, not just the light that illumines the temple and illumines the city, but Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. This is a very bold claim because not only that is he saying I'm the light of the world, but this word world, another translation would be cosmos or universe or created order, which means that the same God who said, let there be light and created the whole universe is one with Jesus. That's what he's arguing with the Pharisees about. He's saying, my father is the one who said, let there be light. And I am the light of the world or the universe. And so this is a very bold claim to say that this same source of creation is in Jesus. 
And he's arguing that, but although they're not quite getting it, they're like still thinking he has an earthly father, which would have been Joseph. But he's actually trying to figure, they're trying to figure out Jesus. But he's actually saying, I am the light of the world. I and the Father or the Creator are one, the same one that created the universe. And so there's tremendous spiritual power in Jesus. This is a spiritual conversation as well that he's having with the Pharisees. It's a theological conversation, but it's also a spiritual conversation about spiritual life. And so there's some things that Jesus is actually giving. He's not saying that as we enter into this dark time or as we experience a dark time, Jesus is offering hope to a dark world. That's the theme here. That's the, the metaphor that Jesus is using. And we may find ourselves in a dark world you know, all this year, 2020, maybe you're ready. Like many of us, we're ready for 2020 to be over for a lot of different reasons. It's, it'll go down as a possibly a, a dark year, right? A spiritually dark year, not a physically dark year, but it's of all the circumstances that we've encountered this year. But maybe you're feeling kind of that hopelessness or that darkness in your own spirit today from circumstances of life or maybe from your own just the depletion or loss or grief, whatever it is that you're experiencing, whatever darkness you and I may be experiencing today, there is hope in Jesus. And Jesus is the one that offers us light in the darkness. And what, there is hope in the darkness. And the first hope that we have in what Jesus is saying is that Jesus is a light that will lead us. Jesus is the light that will lead us through whatever darkness we're in. Uh, in the Israel history, history of Israel, as they were celebrating in the temple this festival of light, so to speak, this feast of tabernacles, they were recalling that at night there was a pillar of fire that would guide them through the wilderness, through the desert. When they didn't know where they were going in the darkness and in the desert, the pillar of fire of God, the presence of God was a light that was leading them in the darkness. That's what Jesus is saying. I am a light that will lead you in the darkness. And if we follow Jesus, we're following that light of his leadership. You know, uh, my wife and I, Heather, were driving back from being out one night, and we came back, and uh, as we pulled up to the house, the check oil light went off. Another light went off on the dashboard, and you never want to see a light go off on the dashboard of your car. That means something's got to be addressed or fixed, right? And so light is a warning as well. And so this light goes off, and I think, oh, okay, i got to check and see what's going on with the oil. So we take our stuff into the house, and uh, then we, I come back out to lift up the hood, and I grab a flashlight, and I'm out there, you know, with the flashlight and trying to, like, look, but I need both hands to check things in the engine, and so I got the hood up, and so I tuck the light under, and I'm trying to aim it the right way while I'm trying to work on things, and it's, you know, because I only have two hands, and uh, Heather comes out and she stands beside me and says, you want me to hold the light? And I'm like, no, I got it. I got it under control. You know, I'm a very self-reliant person. I don't need help. I got to figure it out. And meanwhile, I'm awkwardly trying to do everything. And then finally I say, well, maybe I could use some help. And I hand the light and she holds the light. And I think about that idea, you know, how my first reaction was to what? Not to give up the light, not wanting to give up my own self-reliance or to give up control of the light because I want the light to go where I want it to go, so to speak. And at times, you and I have, may have a hard time accepting that Jesus is the light, right? And to, be a, to accept Jesus as our light is to really just say, Jesus, I need you to hold uh, your light on my life. I need you to shine it where you need to shine it to help me 
uh, go through this darkness or to go through this life. But a lot of times we don't want to do that. We don't want to ask for help because we're self-reliant uh, and we like our self-reliance and our independence. But, that, but remember, to be a follower is this, to go or be in the same way with someone in thought and action, right? To be a follower, to think. And basically what we're saying is, Jesus, uh, I need you to be my light, right? I need you, I'm going to hand the light of my life over to your leadership and allow you to guide me and lead me and shine your light on the places where I need guidance, where I need leadership, where I need your help uh, in the problems and in the darkness and the things that need to be uh, figured out in our lives. And so that's part of it. And Jesus, this is hopeful because Jesus is offering to be the one who will shine a light into our lives and into our darkness. The other hope I think that Jesus is giving us here in this, this passage, in his teaching, is this idea that he says that he not only will, is the light of the world, of the whole world, but here that his light brings life, right? So the idea here is Jesus is a light that will give us vitality, right? So this is life. Again, this is a spiritual conversation. So Jesus is speaking about spiritual vitality. He's speaking about how the source, the creator of the universe, who said, let there be light. Jesus is the light. The same source of energy, spiritual vitality, is from Jesus. And without being connected to Jesus, without walking with Jesus, without following Jesus, we are totally dependent upon our own source of spiritual vitality. And so when we connect with Jesus, we're actually engaging with the source, the creator of the universe, and that is a source of spiritual vitality for us. So think, I was thinking about this, uh, thinking about this this week in, in this conversation Jesus is having about spiritual energy, spiritual vitality of being the light. Uh, and I was uh, coming out of church one night this week, and uh, actually last week, and when I went out to the parking lot, I noticed that there was a guy in a Jeep, and he had his another car, a friend had a car hooked up, and they were trying to jumpstart his Jeep, and then I kind of went by, I thought, oh, well, they got it figured out, and then I had to come back out again, and this time there was another car trying to jumpstart the Jeep, and I said, well, they, they obviously are having a hard time getting this Jeep jump-started and getting the power to get it started, and so I walked over to see if I could help out in any way and just offer some assistance, and, um, and uh, so they explained to me what the problem was, and he says, well, you know, I, I got this stereo hooked up to, in my Jeep, and the stereo is a little bit too much for the standard battery that came with the Jeep, and so the battery keeps draining the battery down, and plus I got floodlight. He had all these toys on his Jeep that kept draining the battery life out, and it couldn't keep up with the battery and uh, the way that it was designed, it's standard uh, design from the manufacturer. So really, he needed to upgrade his uh, system his, to provide energy to run the stereo and everything, all the other toys he had hooked up to the Jeep. So he was having a hard time keeping up. And I think about that too, this, this capacity, right? You and I only have so much capacity, capacity, limited energy, spiritual vitality on our own without any help on our own self-reliance, right? And it, it's standard, right? We, we, we're, we are standard manufacturing, just like that Jeep. And, and we need another source, right, to give us that spiritual life and energy beyond ourselves. Because here's, I think, what's happening in our lives. We've got our souls hooked up to too many toys. And we've got our souls hooked up to too many other things in our lives that are draining and sucking the energy out of us and nothing's replenishing our spiritual vitality. 
And so when we do that, we're overdraining our souls, right? And if we're not connected to a greater source like Jesus, we will drain ourselves and not be able to start again, right? We're going to drain ourselves dry. And Jesus is saying, connect to me, the ultimate source of life, of vitality, the creator of the universe, the creator of life is in Jesus, and our connection to Jesus gives us this life, this spiritual vitality, this energy, this spiritual energy that we need to make it through this life. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it without Jesus and being connected to Jesus, the source of life and vitality. And that's what Jesus is offering us, that no matter how dark it is in the world, that we can be offered this hope and energy from Christ. Now, this is great, right? This is great because we have a light that can guide us and lead us in Jesus. We have a light that can energize us and give us spiritual vitality and our lives vitality in Jesus. But we've mainly been talking about this idea for us as it benefits us personally. Jesus said that he is the light of the world. And I think part of that also means that you and I as followers, when Jesus said, follow me, and I, because I'm the light of the world, he's saying also that I want you to be a part of lighting the world. So Jesus doesn't want to do it without us, that Jesus wants us to be a part of this illumination of the world, that Jesus wants us to be the ones taking the torches off of the fire, off of the light in the temple, and dancing in the streets of the city with the light of Christ in the world with the light of Christ, and praising God with the light of Christ, and sharing that light to others who are in darkness. Jesus wants us to be a part of lighting this world. You know, last week we had a very uh, memorable moment in our church service. If you weren't able to be with us last week, I invite you to go back and watch last week. Just at least watch the part about where we remember the saints. Last Sunday was All Saints Day, where we remember the people that have passed away in our church, and we light a candle for them and honor them and remembering them. And one of our members, uh, one of the uh, women that was here worshiping with us in person last week was Carol Bartlett. And Carol came up to me after the service, and she said, you know, I was watching as the candles were being lit, and we were taking a bamboo wick, and then someone would light the bamboo wick, but it was hard to keep the the wick lit. And so the person was always trying to keep the light from going out until it got to the candle to light the candle. And she said, but I noticed that as soon as the two wicks met, as soon as the light was shared with the other candle, the other wick, that both both wicks ignited in flame and the flame grew stronger in each of the wicks as as the light was shared. And I I thought, this is a great observation, Carol, because this this will be a great sermon illustration. So here you have it. This is it, right? That when we share the light with others, when we share the light, it's like there's a little explosion, a little ignition that happens between us when we are sharing this light with others. And it inflames not only them, it not only shares light with them, but it also inflames us as well. We both benefit from this sharing of the light. And I think that's what Jesus has in mind for us, to not only have the light of Christ, but to share that light with others and ignite it in others and also be renewed ourselves as we share it. And this is a beautiful illustration of how we actually can be the light of the world with Jesus. So maybe today you're in darkness. 
Maybe you need the light of Christ to come into your life, and Jesus wants to do that. Jesus wants to be the light of your life, to lead you, to give you energy and vitality by being the source of your life. And some of us, too, God is nudging and saying, how could you be the light to someone else? How can you share the light of Christ, this light with someone else in your life, and to share joy and peace and hope with them? And there may be somebody in your life right now that is feeling helpless, feeling discouraged, feeling depressed, feeling in darkness. And there might be something that you can do to share the light with them today. So let's pray together.